0: Hello and... Bitch. Is that me? No, no, no. Bitch? (laughs) No. Um, Okay. One, two, three. Hello and welcome to Garbage Nation, where we discuss garbage people and okay people that do garbage things. I'm Adrian, and if I were to describe myself as a chocolate in a chocolate box, I would be the really dark one with that nasty orange filling on the inside.
1: (laughs) The fucking worst chocolate. That's what you're saying. That's me. And I go by Louise and I am a fantastic multitasker. I can fuck up at multiple things all at the same time.
0: This is a new podcast hosted by Adrian and Louise, your Garbage Nation tour guides.
1: <laughs> so we want to take just a little bit of time and introduce us and a little bit about who we are, what we're about, and uh, what what you can get from this podcast or what we hope to achieve. So who who are we, Adrian?
0: I don't know. I just woke up and I'm just sitting here in front of this <laughs> microphone. What do I do? Who am I? Um, we are two public servants. And you know, th- that that could range from being a bus driver to the governor of a state. <laughs> I'm it
1: is I, Gavin Newsom.
0: <laughs> Hi, Gavin. I think I saw you on grinder the other
1: day. Louise is my grinder name. And That's what I thought.
0: <laughs> You know, and we have a passion for service and a passion for our community. But we still want to call out the garbage people um, in our lives and the garbage people all around us.
1: We're looking at you, Elon Musk, with your, what what did he name his baby? His baby is like the most hated baby in the planet right now because.
0: It's A-I-A-I-A-12. Yeah. Oh my God.
1: But uh, because we work with the general public, we do prefer to maintain some anonymity. So, for example, I, I go by Louise, but that is not my real name.
0: And I go by Adrian, but that's not my real name.
1: We want to be as transparent as possible about who we are and what we're about. And we also want to be able to have these conversations, bitch as much as we want, be entertaining, and also put food on our table and pay our rent.
0: I'm a big fan of eating three meals a day and paying my rent.
1: Oh my God. We have so much in common.
0: That's why we started this podcast together. How did we meet?
1: Well, Adrian, we met at the communist training camp, aka. At an American public university where we were strapped down and forced
0: to internalize leftist propaganda
1: yeah, in our safe spaces.
0: You know, for, for a space that is accused of pushing this whole safe space agenda, I think we left university pretty scarred.
1: Yeah, I felt personally victimized by the university.
0: The, the Regina George University <laughs> <laughs> named after St. Saint, Saint Regina <laughs> um yeah but honestly those were some expensive ass communist training
1: grounds who knew it would cost so much to uh
0: attend the communist training ground
1: yeah to attend our you would think that we wouldn't have to because of all our work in the gulag
0: <laughs> i thought i paid my debt off while i was in in the gulag
1: <laughs> with what what is it the shackles <laughs>
0: I remember that one fight where we kind of went at each other over a piece of bread that was thrown at us. <laughs> um, but in all seriousness, we went to a university in
1: Washington State. And we met there. We realized that we had a pretty similar sense of humor. Our Our sense of humor is... I, I would say dark. it's problematic, it's fun. We don't really have much of a filter, but it's I, I feel like it's kind of how we coped with some of the shitty things that might have happened. Yeah, yeah.
0: I mean, shitty experiences. Um, you know, th- th- I think having some strange childhoods, I think my childhood and my experience with my various identities and all of them clashing. Mm-hmm. Kind of, you know, made for a really strange coping mechanism, which was a strange sense of humor.
1: Yeah. And in growing up in environments where, uh, I mean, do, do you feel like you had somewhat of a controlling Childhood.
0: Oh, definitely. Yeah. You know, I, I think I think that that controlling childhood extended beyond the household. It was the environment that I lived in, um, the neighborhood that I lived in. It was it was it was pretty interesting. There was a lot of social control and control within the home, and I do think that that has probably informed a lot of it as well.
1: We also both grew up in fairly religious households, and neither of us are religious people. To this day. In fact, we're we're kind of the opposite, I would say. We're just two godless heathens. <laughs> so eventually after we graduated, Adrian selfishly moved to the other side of the country, away from me.
0: I moved to Atlanta, Georgia.
1: Yeah. Away from me.
0: Away away from Louise. It was it was rough. <laughs> So the reason I moved away was because I knew a lot about my my home state. And then at the end of the day, I knew that I'd all, always be back and I'd always return. And I wanted to grow in many ways, you know, in my career, get to know myself better. And so I moved to Atlanta, Georgia, where the landscape was completely different from Seattle, Washington. And I did it very intentionally. So I would have that growth. And knowing that that growth would not be the most comfortable, knowing that there would be a lot of cognitive dissonance and pain associated with it. But that's how we grow. And that's how we learn. You can't always live in a bubble. Um, and that's what home sometimes was. It was a beautiful bubble, but it can, it can wait for now. And the reason I moved is not because I didn't like where I was. I think it was important for me to explore new things and I love my home. And that's part of the reason we pick a lot of garbage people from back home in Seattle because we love it so much that we always want to rip on it. And that's kind of how we, we kind of, I feel like that's how I kind of engage with some of my closer relationships is sometimes I will rip on the things that I love the most.
1: I I think, Adrian, I think we have identified why we have relationship problems.
0: Shut the fuck up. Shut the fuck. Oh, my God. Mm -hmm. Shut the fuck up. (laughs) I'm actually not kidding. That might be a problem.
1: We shit on the things we love.
0: I probably scarred all my exes.
1: (laughs) Well, hopefully the word gets out and they understand that, you know. It came from a good place, which is, that that's all that matters, right? That's the only thing that matters.
0: That's the only thing that matters. It's the intention, it's not the impact. (laughs) I'm sorry you feel hurt, but that wasn't my intention. So you can either stop being mad, or I'm going to be mad that you're getting mad. And, you know, just to go into a little more detail, what inspired us to start this podcast?
1: I mean, I feel like I really wanted an outlet to talk shit and tell funny stories. I don't know, deep down... I am just a gossipy church lady. I, that's that part of my Mormon upbringing has never left. So when I needed to find another gossipy bitch, I found one. And Adrian, you just seem like the perfect fit. So you know, we have our our motive for the podcast, but we also hope that you benefit from this podcast. Either you can just listen and be entertained while we um, talk shit about garbage people. Or maybe you can learn something. You can you can gain some insight from, I mean, a long list of these cautionary tales, because that's what a lot of these are. When we start talking about shitty people, we, we start talking about people that could be shitty to you because they've been shitty to others. And these patterns of garbage behavior exist in lots of garbage people.
0: Um, and, 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 you know, at the end of the day, this is amazing for when you really want to bring down the mood at a party. <laughs> Um, And in that same light, we also wanted to make it very clear that garbage behavior is diverse and comes in many forms.
1: I like how you talk about garbage behavior. Like (laughs) each one is its own special, special snowflake.
0: That's how we were trained to speak in the communist training grounds. <laughs> so yeah, um, we wanted to be clear that we are not a true crime podcast, and neither are we a social justice podcast.
1: All of these things can coexist within topics surrounding garbage behavior. I mean, for example, in our next few episodes, we're going to talk about garbage people. Some of those people have broken the law, and some of them have not. There are people that are huge heaps of trash that never break the law. And it does not mean that they're not garbage and that we don't want to talk shit about them. And um, we will because no one is safe.
0: Exactly. Um, And what we are mainly is a comedy podcasts about horrible people and that sometimes means that we're gonna make fun of some people that some of us hold dear to us all that we ask is our listeners keep an open mind like we do because at the end of the day we're here to make you laugh we're here to crack jokes for the sake of cracking jokes so we both can get a laugh out of it and you know apart from world domination we hope (laughs) We hope that this podcast is heavy enough to grab your attention, but light enough to not ruin your day.
1: <laughs> but we might ruin your day.
0: We're always going to strive to give you the best quality content that does have the potential to ruin your day.
1: I feel like we should put that on a bumper sticker.
0: Garbage Nation, here to ruin your day. <laughs> um, and with that, we wanted to spend a little time at, to introduce this week's trash.
1: This week's trash consists of tampon dispensers candy wrappers and a slimy ex-pizza chain CEO topped with a cascading head of pubes accompanied with the constant meat sweats.
0: Better known as John Schnatter, a.k.a. Papa John. (laughs) Schnatter. Schnatter. (laughs) Let me repeat that. My voice totally cracked.
1: No, no, no. I'm just making fun. You can't. His name sucks either way.
0: Okay. Schnatter.
1: That's what I'm making fun of, not how you said it. Okay. No, he's not. All that bad. Recently, he gave $1 million to support small businesses through COVID.
0: That's that's so brave. A billionaire donating 0.1% of his net worth to help the needy.
1: (laughs) That is exactly what the Jeffs and the Karens on my Facebook don't get. It would be essentially more of a sacrifice for me to donate twenty dollars to a small business than it would for John Schnatter to donate one million. These fucking rich people—they could like solve so many economic problems with like the drop of a hat if they actually donated money in a way that, but they won't. They never will.
0: I'll paste my uh, Cash App link at the bottom of this episode for any billionaires that do want to donate um to uh to
1: the needy
0: to the needy and mitigate one economic problem which is my fucking life my bank account
1: <laughs> one one economic problem your life so <laughs> so i'm going to take us back to the beginning of the papa johns empire where it all started so john schnatter was born in jefferson indiana in 1961 Uh, he and his father went in on a tavern in 1980 called Mixed Tavern. In 1984, Schnatter begins making pizza at the tavern. So he sold his 1971 Camaro for $1,600 to purchase pizza equipment. And then he converted the broom closet in the tavern into a pizza oven and began selling pizzas. Within a year, he opened Papa John's and had his own establishment. And by 1993, he had over 500 stores.
0: Holy shit, that, that, that's some fast growth.
1: Yeah, and he knows. And it went straight to his fucking head. His fucking pubic hair topped head. So when they moved to their new headquarters in Kentucky, a lot of people that worked closely with him talk about how it, the success kind of went to his head pretty quickly. So their new headquarters, his office was covered in black marble. I imagine there was a fireplace. I imagine there was a tiger. That's how I imagine it, but... None of those things have been confirmed. He also had a commissioned mural of his own face on the ceiling.
0: Jesus, fucking Christ. I also just like imagine like these little twink boys <laughs> in in like those Roman togos. Is that what you call it togas togos? Togas? Togas, uh-huh. and they're just like in the corner, scared and whispering to each other. But they're like they're like chained to the floor, so they can't move.
1: <laughs> but they're also very obedient when they're asked. Just yeah, when they aren't when they aren't doing his biddings, they're just shivering and holding each other. But then, <laughs> then he's like, "Come here, goon one. <laughs> Staple these papers," and still like chained to the floor, and they're stapling his papers. <laughs> so he gained a reputation as. Being pretty micromanagey, uh, one person reported that he used to show up randomly at some of the chains, the franchises, and just blow the fuck up if anything was off. He was also known for conducting meetings from his fancy fucking office on his exercise bike. So he'd be just like riding his bike, sweating profusely and having angry outbursts.
0: That that kind of sounds like me and my current job during quarantine. <laughs> I'm on an elliptical, just really sweaty, screaming personal attacks at people through Zoom.
1: <laughs> Your eyes are close together.
0: <laughs> no, just kidding. I'm too low, low down on the fucking <laughs> uh, on, uh, on the hierarchy. To on the even, food like, chain. Think about doing something like that, I'd be fucking thrown up and spat out. <laughs>
1: He was also known for being pretty vindictive. Donna Alcorn was a previous senior VP of the company, and she said pretty much when he was done with you, he was done with you. Like, if you wronged him in any way, he was going to write you off and pressure you until you ran out of the company's doors screaming. There was even one report where an executive pissed him off. And he responded by moving that executive's parking spot to like the back of another parking lot. Wow.
0: That is, that is some small dick shit to do. <laughs> like like I, I can literally, I can literally tell now that he probably has a real tiny dick.
1: Oh yeah. No, it's.
0: It's just like a fucking, it's like a little fucking nut.
1: If, if, the, if the mural on the ceiling didn't give it away, I don't know what would. <laughs> that penis is tiny, like a little tic-tac. Ew. I know. Outside of being a fucking dick to work with, he was also a fucking creep. So in 1987, he married his wife, Anne. They are evangelical Christians. Uh, at times, however, he would disappear on work trips. He wouldn't tell his wife. He wouldn't tell his co-workers. He wouldn't tell the board of his company. He just would dip out to like fucking Cabo with a bunch of young women. In 1999, a mobile phone representative named Leslie Workman filed a lawsuit because he groped her at a party. He ended up stalking her. He threw a rock at her window when she was at home. He called her boss and asked her boss to send her to him to discuss a possible contract. Of course, he denied it, and he said that she was just trying to get money from him, and it ended in a confidential settle- settlement. Um, in 2009, there was another incident involving a 24-year-old woman who left the company immediately. Nothing else is known outside of that, except for it was it resorted in a confidential settlement. Um, apparently, there are multiple other confidential settlements involving women, but nothing has really been confirmed. Some female employees would complain that he would ask about their bra size. He also told an executive that his wife would be cute if she lost some weight. And he also was known as being a creepy hug guy.
0: Oh, we all we all have a creepy hug guy in our lives. I feel like every woman probably knows that one creepy hug
1: guy at a party. Where's my hug?
0: Where's my hug, babe?
1: I say shove it shove that hug straight up your ass
0: Ew. and they just like walk up to you with their fucking arms spread like where's my hug mm-hmm.
1: the do you know what a creepy guy hug kind of reminds me of
0: what does it remind you of
1: it's uh, have you ever seen hulu the hug
0: no <laughs> no
1: <laughs> so so it's this like short film it's about naughty little nine-year-old that doesn't listen to his parents. And so he runs behind the curtain where they have this animatronic bear that they have hidden back there that no one's supposed to see because it's evil. And so the the bear wakes up and is like, Sonny, how about you give me a hug? And the boy's like, no loser. And then the bear grabs him, the animatronic bear. And then he just He just hugs the child until he disappears. He just hugs
0: the child and the child is absorbed into the bear.
1: Yeah. (laughs) So that's what the creepy hug hug guy reminds me of. (laughs) It's the creepy fucking bear from. But could you imagine a creepy animatronic bear with the the Play-Doh face of John Schnatter?
0: (laughs) Come here, little boy. Do you want some pizza? Maybe that's why John Schneider looks kind of, like, weird. Like, he looks like like Play-Doh brought to life. is because he's absorbed so many fucking kids, probably, into his body that it's starting to look a little misshapen now. (laughs) You know, it's kind of, at some point, the the water can't absorb the sugar anymore kind of thing. So then it starts Mm -hmm. to get weird. I think that's what it is.
1: Children are not water-soluble.
0: Yep so there's there's so many children you can absorb into your into your into your body there's there's only so much life force you can steal from people before you start to look a little weird.
1: <laughs> <laughs> he might also be an animatronic bear, for all we know, yep. Yeah, so that is just, those are some of the things that Schnatter did to fucking creep out women. But of course, the fun continues when he dabbles in politics.
0: I feel like that's the thing about politics is that everybody has an opinion about politics and a solution to the, the problems in this country. But I feel like when you have the money to affect people's lives, that's when I feel like people like John Schnatter um, feel obligated to share what they think, you know? Mm-hmm. have a small dick. All right. Yeah, and to and to keep moving forward with that, you know, botched love child of Ronald Reagan and Ray Liotta. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> he's like reprised as the ex-owner of a subpar food joint, Papa John. Um he's he's been quite a controversial figure in most part due to his political views. Um so this franchise owner and leg model, he's he's got some pretty thick. He he's he's pretty thick from like the thighs down, but then anywhere up from that, it's it's just a fucking train wreck. Mm-hmm. And he's upset people um in, in two thousand twelve he came under fire for saying that the Affordable Care Act would be a losing game for Papa John's franchise and its employees. Um, Schnatter argued that Obamacare would cost Papa John's about five to eight million dollars annually, and ultimately drive up the price of pizza by how much? By eleven to 4, fourteen cents. Oh no! You know th- this this coming from fucking Thanksgiving turkey brought to life, Schnatter. <laughs>
1: He does look like a fucking Thanksgiving turkey. Like could you imagine just shoving a thermometer up his ass to <laughs> see if he's ready?
0: It's that it's that very crisp looking bronze skin.
1: <laughs> That's the best part.
0: Uh, so Schnatter, whose net whose net worth is eight hundred and one million, warned that Papa John's might have to raise prices on its pizza by eleven to fourteen cents per pie to offset the penalties he claimed would be imposed under the Affordable Care Act. Trash.
1: Yeah, that's
0: stupid. So he felt that Obamacare was part of the government's overregulation of businesses that are steering the United States away from its system of free enterprise, he believes is crucial to the nation's success.
1: I like how the free enterprise can also decide that his pizza is garbage.
0: Exactly. That That's the same free enterprise that created Chicago's best pizza, Papa John's. <laughs> <laughs> You know, um, he said that America in 2016 was on the path to becoming what Germany was in 1867. <laughs> and, and and side note, you know, 1867 is the year that Schnatter's great grandfather immigrated to the United States, and that is the immigrant narrative that brings tears to my eyes. <sighs> blonde hair, blonde hair, blue eyed men traveling across the Atlantic to make a better life for themselves. Sounds familiar, huh?
1: (laughs) Yes, it does. I also think it's funny that a German immigrant coming to the US to flourish and have somebody in their family make a, a famous Italian pizza joint.
0: One day, generations from now, my great grandchildren will rule an empire.
1: They will rule an empire and it'll be through (laughs) mediocre pizza. That's him coughing up his (laughs) esophagus. Just the whole thing comes up.
0: (laughs) So, you know, after he made that uh, comment about the Affordable Care Act, Boycotts followed very swiftly, and Papa John's shares fell about 5%. Um, Thereafter, he shut his flappy gob and moved away from intense political discussions, but not for long. (laughs) His economic outlook is also why he would be embroiled in yet another controversy regarding his political donations to the Trump campaign.
1: That was Grandpa coughing up his esophagus again
0: i I hope that was grandpa's last fucking cough because he he needs to be fucking dead right now (laughs) i'm tired of fucking coughing shit up um so you know it's it's also interesting because conversely he also did express why he feels like ceos are paid an obscene amount and you know the lowest rung of workers and organizations don't make enough to even survive which is so interesting that he would have that view but then also go home to a go home to a literal fucking castle in Kentucky which is like fucking 20,000 square feet fuck
1: it's also funny too because he did make a statement that Essentially, he was like, I created this business from the ground up. I deserve to be rich and have a yacht.
0: You know, and, and exactly. And, and the strange part is, how can you complain that CEOs make an obscene amount of money, but then complain about the costs of Obamacare that would set you back $5 million?
1: Yeah, which is like, it's it's not as much as it sounds. It sounds like a lot of money to me, but I am not a rich person. Yes.
0: You are a poor public servant. <laughs> <laughs>
1: can I have some more, please? <laughs> Like I have my hands cupped. No,
0: you can have some more, provided you pay the eleven to fourteen cent increase.
1: <laughs> and that's when I just walk away because it's garbage pizza. <laughs> um,
0: that's where you just eat dirt on the outside. <laughs> Um, Soon after, in 2017, Pizza Dough brought to life. John Schnatter blamed sluggish pizza sales at the NFL for players kneeling during the National Anthem. And so just some context is Papa John's is a major NFL sponsor and advertiser. And Schnatter said on an earnings call on the 1st of November that year that the NFL's leadership has hurt Papa John's shareholders and that the protests should have been nipped in the bud a year and a half ago So what he meant by this was um, the practice of players kneeling during the national anthem to raise awareness of police brutality and social injustice could have been stopped back when Colin Kaepernick began began uh, doing it during preseason games in the summer of 2016. So Papa John's sales are slumping because, and I quote, this controversy is polarizing the customer, polarizing the country. And no other sponsors would confirm that this was in fact the reason for declining sales during the NFL. I think Papa John just needed a scapegoat, it sounds like.
1: It kind of reminds me of um, when Applebee's sales plummeted and they blame millennials. They were like, it's because millennials don't appreciate our artistry. And it's like, well, or your food's really bad. Maybe a little bit came from being a sponsor, but I think also, you know, shit happens. It's that free market you were talking about, Schnatter.
0: Exactly. It's, it's just really funny that they talk about the free market in such a strange way, only when they win. And then <laughs> when they lose out on things and they share shares fall and they're not making enough sales. Suddenly it's everybody under the sun. It's protesting athletes that are causing my shares and my pizza to slow down or fall short of last year's numbers or something mm-hmm. like that. It's just really interesting the the excuses some of these corporations and billionaires come up with when they kind of are holding the shit end of the stick.
1: Poor babies.
0: So speaking of the NFL protests, you know, because his views were so aligned with a lot of the other rhetoric surrounding why NFL players shouldn't be kneeling, um, white supremacist groups uh, labeled Papa John's as one of their go-to brands.
1: Was it the the pizza of the alt-right?
0: Yeah, they named it the, the, the pizza company of uh, the alt-right.
1: I mean, come on, Adrian. They have to get their pizza somewhere. <laughs>
0: <laughs> their Nazi pizza. Yeah. I bet Nazi pizza has pineapple on it.
1: I bet it does, actually. That that would not surprise me.
0: Fucking strawberries on their Nazi <laughs> pizza.
1: I'm going to say the alt-right has Spetzel on their pizza.
0: <laughs> German German noodles. <laughs> And, you know, subsequently, um, he stepped down as CEO of Papa John's because of his comments about NFL players kneeling during their games.
1: And after that, he then takes a position as a chairman in his company. But of course, he still remains pretty micromanagey, pissing everybody off. Even though he's not the CEO, he still is trying to boss the CEO around. And um, which leads us to the events in 2018. There was a conference call with a marketing firm called Laundry Service, which their goal of this meeting was to do an exercise with John Schnatter to keep him from saying more controversial shit to the public. Pretty much like an exercise to get him to shut his trap. It kind of reminds me of, um, did you ever see the Diversity Day episode in the office?
0: I think that moment was like literally a defining moment in American history.
1: (laughs) So it's, yeah, it, it reminds me of that. It's like the the elephant in the room is that Michael Scott cannot keep his mouth shut and cannot refrain from saying stupid fucked up shit.
0: That's almost like they use that clip from the office to actually conduct diversity trainings across a bunch of different institutions in the country today. Really? No, I'm kidding. It's because like. Michael- <laughs> All these organizations are still so fucking racist and they make these stupid fucking mistakes all the time. And it's like, did you get your training from that office video?
1: I know. But, but yeah, so so the, the goal, though, was to, to help John Schnatter practice not saying shitty things. So it turns out the conference call was recorded. He starts going off about Colonel Sanders and that Colonel Sanders would call Black people the N-word, and he says the N-word all the time and never face public outcry. What the fuck is up with that? And then he continues to say that people used to drag Black people from the back of their truck until they died. So after that, Laundry Service, the marketing firm, of course, breaks their contract with Papa John's. They're not interested in working with him. And he was removed as his position as chairman, his face was taken off all the ads, and in July of 2018, he was given 90 days to vacate the premises. So after that, he kind of stayed quiet for a little bit at least. He made his first public interview in November of 2019. The interview was bizarre. He, he looked like he was sweating profusely. I don't know. He kind of re- reminded me of like a melting wax statue of somebody. He started to melt, and so they moved him back into the freezer. <laughs> he talked about how everyone he knew that was still in the company was telling him all about how, how terrible the new CEO was. He said that mutual respect, transparency, quality, interpersonal relationships have all gone by the wayside, which, as we know, Schnatter is the pinnacle of interpersonal relationships and mutual respect.
0: They were probably thriving when he was around. Yeah. Those interpersonal relationships were very... Interpersonal.
1: What? What if his definition of interpersonal relationship was just the the two toga wearing manservants tied up in his
0: <laughs> office? Well, I mean, yeah, I mean their their relationships aren't very personal anymore. They're not making surprise trips to Cabo.
1: <laughs> not, yeah, on a leash. <laughs> <laughs> so. He continued the interview saying that he had had 40 Papa John's pizzas in the last 30 days, and he said they don't taste good. It's just not the same pizza. It's just not the same product.
0: It's not the same product because it tastes different because fucking Peyton Manning hasn't come on it since Papa John left. (laughs) Peyton Manning is, like, just held in this conveyor belt that, like, <laughs> jerked him off like one of those milking machines. And now since Papa John's is gone, so is Peyton Manning. And now it just tastes a little different.
1: Yeah. No, that one end of the milking machine was where he jerks off onto the pizza. And then the other end was the needle going into his arm, pumping him with steroids. <laughs> What a sad life to live, Peyton Manning. I'm sorry.
0: Yeah, wouldn't you want to just be pumped full of steroids, looking buff, and then be milked throughout the day?
1: He was also interviewed by a Black journalist named Stephen Johnson. So he told Stephen that he was set up by the board of directors, that the board of directors used the Black community to steal the company. He said that the they fabricated the race issue and that the conference call was taped, secretly taped. And once again, that it was fabricated and that it wasn't racist.
0: It has to be one of the two, though. Either it was fabricated or it was that he did say it and it was secretly taped. I don't know how it can be both.
1: (laughs) Adrian, these are the thought provoking questions we all need.
0: This podcast might be getting might be getting a little too deep then.
1: Yeah. Oh, fuck. It's true.
0: Keep it surface. Keep it stupid.
1: That's our motto. Keep it surface. Keep it stupid. Finally, went on to say that the day of reckoning is coming for the people that have wronged him.
0: He literally said that the mm-hmm. day of reckoning is coming. That's a fucking threat.
1: Yeah, it is.
0: What do you think the, <laughs> What do you think the day of reckoning looks like?
1: So, the day of reckoning is actually a post-apocalyptic action movie. Okay, so imagine we're all in a bunker while there's, like, shit exploding all around us. And there's some fucking, like, rugged, hyper-masculine soldier. And he's like, it's here. And one of us is like, what's here? And he's like, the reckoning. And we're like, what? What's the reckoning? And he's like, the day that God gives to the devil." And then we're like, "Oh no!" And then you hear this foghorn, and and then a bunch of spider-like creatures start crawling out of the gutters, and they're like fucking taking down semis and bridges. And then you realize that those creatures all have uh, John Schnatter's face on them.
0: This is like this is like a strange um, pitch black meets uh, Legion meets uh, the day the earth stood still.
1: <laughs> yes. <laughs>
0: yes it's all of that <laughs> oh lord what i imagined the reckoning to be well i wanted to first talk about a nuclear winter <laughs> but then i but then <laughs> and then i was like wait what if what we're living through right now the virus is the reckoning and so I just feel like that's just going to be like, it's just going to be a nuclear winter there. We, we have no record of what actually happened. And I think that builds a suspense. All we know is civilization was destroyed. Um, everything just goes black. And then we all just wake up maybe 200 years in the future. Mm-hmm. And this is kind of where the scene begins is like, you know, this grandmother cooking um, meat stew, basically meat being cooked in, in boiled water. Um, and then the grandkids like run up to the grandma with like, with their hide, like the hide made of like bison skin. And they're like, grandma, what was the reckoning? And the grandma's like, child, we shall not talk about the reckoning. Has your mother not taught you anything? It's like grandma. I just I just wanted to know, no child. And I don't know. It's like it, it goes by my by many names. Some call it Papa's terror or, or something like that. I just I, that, that's how I imagine it. Like the Earth is completely destroyed. We have no record of what happened. We just have to live and deal with the aftermath of build of rebuilding civilization.
1: Fuck, that's funny. I
0: mean, I, I mean the the other one was literally. I think the reckoning was the coronavirus.
1: Come on, sheeple. Is this a scam for Bill Gates to get everybody vaccinated? Or is it Papa John with his promised reckoning?
0: He wants you to buy pizza. He wants you to sit at home with your PJs and buy pizza. Jesus is on his side aiding him in this revelation because Jesus wants you to buy Papa John's pizza.
1: You know, he could pull the, like, Hobby Lobby shit, you know, where he says that Jesus told him in a dream that everyone needs to eat at Papa John's, because that's (laughs) what he's fucking doing, telling people to shop at Papa John's and Hobby Lobby. Meanwhile, fucking children are dying of malaria.
0: The reason Jesus advocates for people to go and shop at Hobby Lobby is because an idle mind is the devil's workshop. (laughs) I think the perfect scenario for John Schnatter's reckoning is... Pitch black meets the day the earth stood still, meets Avengers Endgame, where we all like disappear into like powder, meets the hills have eyes, except it's like winter and not. (laughs) But we're still the same kind of ugly, but it's winter. (laughs) And we're eating pizza out in the open, in in an open, snowy meadow rather than an uh, an underground nuclear bunker.
1: (laughs) What if in reality, We're giving his reckoning like way too much credit. He's like, my day of reckoning will be swift. What if it's something like something really fucking stupid, like he's breaking into the current CEO's home and putting a rubber band around his kitchen sink sprayer so it sprays the next person in the stomach? And then uh, he goes and he breaks into the offices and then turns all the lights on and uh, unplugs the copiers.
0: You know, quite frankly, as we've talked about it, he has a history of fucking moving people's parking spots and throwing shit through people's through people's windows. So I really wouldn't put it past him to do something as stupid as that. And we've overhyped the reckoning. And now we're going to sit here pouty mouthed with our arms folded, disappointed (laughs) that we don't have a nuclear winter. (laughs)
1: I'm already feeling it. <laughs> <laughs>
0: All I wanted was a nuclear
1: winter. So he really had a rough time, but don't feel bad for Papa. He is a garbage person who did garbage things and is no longer the CEO of his baby. But he's still rich as fuck and still lives in a castle. He's just hanging out now. And, you know, a week after his bizarre sweaty interview... An and left his ass, so he is now a bachelor.
0: <laughs> <laughs> mm. Mm.
1: <laughs> it's like meanwhile, and it just shows Adrian and Atoga.
0: <laughs> oh Lord, no. <laughs> I, I I don't think he'd be into men like me.
1: That's what you think, but you don't know until you've tried.
0: Yeah, that's true, huh? So why don't I just fucking go and try it? <laughs> <laughs> I mean at worst I I, I at worst I, I return home with some Nazi pizza. <laughs> so yeah, I think that just about wraps it up.
1: Yeah. So please like and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts and let us know if you want us on a specific platform.
0: Um, so in, in addition to that, please send us garbage people that you know or garbage experiences you've had with garbage people so that we can spend some time reading it at the beginning of each episode.
1: We have a place on our website at garbage-nation.com where you can either one, you can tell us what garbage people you want us to cover or two, you can submit your own stories about garbage people
0: again this is meant to be a light-hearted church lady podcast and we want you to join us on that journey um talking shit and just having some fun and we want you to be uh, engaged and have this be as much of an interactive experience for all of us as possible so thank you very much for listening i'm adrian
1: and i'm louise
0: and we look forward to you joining us again i hope you have a garbage day
1: Bye. Bye.